Hi, I'm Michelle. I'm an alcoholic. My sobriety date is April 20th, 2004. I, my home group is Saturday Morning Gratitude, which uh, is at 9 o'clock. It's a women's meeting at 9 o'clock on Saturday mornings, um, Bull Mountain, and we'd love to see you there. I am actively sponsored, and what that means to me is I have a scheduled time that I talk with my sponsor on a weekly basis, and I ask her a question every single time I talk to her. And I try to listen and take the suggestions that are offered to me. And with those three things, if I stay active in those three things and doing a whole bunch of other things, um, I stay comfortable enough in my own skin that I don't have to pick up a drink anymore. <sighs> so I have to share with you the secret that I am totally concerned. I'm so scared that I'm not going to be good enough. I'm not going to be um, smart enough, or I'm not going to speak long enough, or I'm going to, or I'm not certainly not going to speak loud enough. I probably don't need this, but I'm not going to reach you. And I was talking to my sponsor if she had any suggestions because that's what I do. And she said to remember that even in a group this size, there are people who are struggling. And that could be, you know, somebody who's got not a lot of time, or it doesn't have to be. And I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. And um, I want to talk about um, step one for sure, but uh, without diving too much um, into anybody else's steps, I'd like to just talk a little bit about my story. I, um, it's not my first rodeo. Um, it wasn't my worst bottom. Um, but uh, it's taken me about 25 years to get 15 years sobriety. Hey. Um, and, uh, you know, I look back on, on where was unmanageability. Where did I first see unmanageability? And, and I saw it early um, in my behavior before drinking actually took over. I, I remember, I don't, I, I don't want to go too much into my drinking because, because I want every one of you to find something similar in me. And if I talk about how I was a heroin-using ballerina candle maker, I'm not going to be able to do that. <laughs> so I wasn't those things. But what I was was I was a really fearful kid, and I really, really wanted you to like me. That started very, very early. And I would lie all the time. I would embellish everything about me so that you would like me. My desire for love, my hunger for love and approval started very early. And I would go to any lengths for that. I would change who I was. In, I would not align with who I was. I had to break out of who I was because it was never enough in order to feel like you liked me. Um, that disconnect, that, that, that disconnect from who I am, that, that dishonesty from who I really am, um, the tension of that created a lot of bad behavior. I remember being running away a lot and being um, using up friends, and I remember running away so much. The, my first memory of 
desperation. I was about 13 and I had used up all of my friends and no parents wanted me there. And I stayed in a sauna room in an apartment building to stay warm. I wasn't homeless, but I had too much pride to go back and ask my, my parents to take me in again. And some guy came in and propositioned me. And I, you know, very haughtily said, you know, I'm good, thank you very much, how dare you? And walked outside in the alley. And I just remember thinking to myself, I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life as this, this lonely, heartbreaking, desperate thing. And I have. Um, that was like, that's my whole life right there, right? Is doing things that, that made me feel guilt, remorse, and shame um, and, and having to do something else to forget about them and then doing them again. Um, so this last time I, um, uh, I drank, the times before were worse, but there was something that wasn't dirty enough to get me here. Like, it just wasn't bad enough. There was something this time and I used to think it was, I remember my first two years of sobriety saying that, um, that, uh, that it was something with my mom and her cancer and all of this stuff because that sounded so noble. I sold myself on that. I just got the, the, the level of self-hatred got so bad this time. I mean, at the end of my drinking, I was sitting in an apartment alone, hiding bottles from myself and I could barely sign my name. I lived on a third floor walk up. I, could, I was afraid to go down the stairs because my legs shook so badly. Um, I couldn't sign my rent check, right? Like I couldn't shave my legs for fear of like cutting myself. It was bad. I was unemployed. I was unemployable. I had alienated family and friends. No one wanted to talk to me. Um, it, was, it was not I was an unlovely creature. Um, and I had been here before, so I knew there was an answer here. I went to the meeting before, this sharing meeting before this, and I was so glad that I did because there were a couple people that talked about how when people get up on stage, they talk about how awesome their life is. So um, I think that is why it's important to talk about how, how awful it was. Um, because it is the most beautiful life beyond my beyond anything that I could have imagined, but it started in a really crappy place. Um, I just wanted to um, go to the part that was just read was from the, a vision for you, and part of that was this insistent yearning, like that that insistent yearning took its place. And, and I could feel it. I can, when I'm not doing my program, I can still feel this insistent yearning. Terror, bewilderment, frustration, and despair describes the feeling, the knot in my stomach that I felt every single day. On the flip side of that, on page 163, for anybody who's suffering, I just want to say that we know what you're thinking. You're saying to yourself, I'm jittery and alone. I couldn't do that. But you can. 
You forget that you've now tapped into a source of power much greater than yourself. To duplicate with such backing what we've accomplished is only a matter of willingness, patience, and labor. That is not in the first step. So I will, I will retreat back from that sometime, but it's so super hard for me to talk about this program and not try to instill hope. I feel compelled. For me, step one is about liberation. The, the principle behind the step is honesty, but this is the first place. When I was able to really come in here and say, I'm an alcoholic and I need help, that was liberating. It was the first time that I could breathe. It was the first time that utter truth like came out of my mouth. That like I don't, there is freedom in saying I don't know what I am doing. My way is not working. The, this is the first time that I did that. Um, and then it started to get better. Um, I also, if you don't mind, would like to talk about, it's from Tradition 9. And it says that his drunkenness and dissolution are not penalties inflicted by people in authority. They result from his personal disobedience to prin uh, spiritual principles. So that's a lovely sentence, but like, what does it mean? So <laughs> his drunkenness and dissolution um, so dissolution, if you look it up, it says like degeneracy. Okay, what does that really mean? It says having lost the physical, mental, or moral quantity quantities, moral qualities considered normal and desirable. <laughs> that would be me every day. Um, I did that the first time when I came in and, and practiced step one. There's, for me, the working the steps is about, the big book is just words on paper. It's just words on paper until I have an association with it, right? So when I read the big book and our literature, there is the intellectualizing of the step, the understanding of the step itself. But understanding the step, for me, is not working the step. So when I read the step, for me it's important, it continues to be important, that I understand, that I can determine a need. Do I need to be on this step? Does this apply to me, right? And then, what are the actions that I'm supposed to take in order to take this step? So the first step for me is came, oops, wrong one, sorry guys. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives have become unmanageable. I could admit being, uh, having my life being unmanageable. My life had been unmanageable for years and years and years. If you looked at my bank account, if you looked at my bed, if you looked at my, my closet where I hid bottles, if you looked at Anything that I do, every single area of my life was unmanageable. The powerlessness was where I had trouble. This time I was willing to give up power. I was willing to do whatever crazy thing that you wanted me to do, no matter if it made sense or not. So I came in, and what does that look like? So I had to come in and I had to acknowledge what are the things that I do in my life that are unmanageable. I had to look at 
the way that I showed up, I had to I had to put down the drink. I had to look at the way that I showed up, when I showed up, how I showed up, and what I did when I got there. I needed to talk to my sponsor about that. What did it look like when I admitted powerlessness? I had to make a list of all of the things that I was powerless over. I had to pray. What does it look like when I work this step? When I work this step the first time, it was about going to meetings. It was about showing up. It was about being quiet. It was about asking questions. It was about taking manageable actions. How do I combat unmanageability? By taking manageable actions. I had to make a list. I made a list of all of the things that I do on a daily basis to contribute to my sobriety. What does that mean? That means that when I get up, I get up at the same time every day. It means that I pray upon awakening. It means that I have a quiet time where I listen to my heart, to my thoughts. It means that I groom myself so that I don't end up looking like my story when I walk out the door. It means that I show up to work on time, that I call other alcoholics, that I read from the big book, that I go to, um, I go to my custom, our sponsorship custom, is I go to three meetings a week, the same meetings. I have commitments at two of those meetings, and what does that mean? It means that I made a, I made a promise that I will show up to help with chairs, help with coffee, um, help set up, and I'm there on time, help greet. If I'm not able to be there, I have to ask somebody to cover for me because asking for help is something I'm not good at. So all of these actions contribute. I have to eat. I have to make my bed. When I get home, I pray, I say thank you, and I go to bed on time. These are the actions that I took when I first got sober. These are the ones I take now. I continue to take these actions every single day. When I don't, I become unmanageable. I have a thing when people talk about when I took step one, as though it was a beginning, a middle, and an end. And for me, it's not. Like, these are beautiful tools that, like, the first time I come in here, this is this practice ground where I get to learn how to live life on life's terms, where I just get to learn how to live life. And I get to kind of screw up. This is my testing ground in this safe space. So I got So I have this testing ground, which is why patience and tolerance in the rooms of AA for me is so important. Like if I'm in here trying to learn how to be a better person, that means every single one of us is doing the same thing, right? So I have to allow other people, this is in the traditions too, I have to allow people to be right and I have to allow people to be wrong. Um, so on the, the beauty of step one for me is absolutely, it's liberation, it's freedom, it's honesty, it's the launching pad for where I go throughout my day, every single day. But how to, in my daily activities, if I'm not able 
to recognize and acknowledge that there is unmanageability in my life, there's no place I'm going to go. It is the beginning of this beautiful series, this like almost like rhythm, this braid of actions that I get to take to solve all of my problems, all of my problems. So unmanageability today is, um, uh, I hate to, that it sound, it may sound piddly, right? But like unmanageability when I was uh, out there drinking was, um, you know, uh, was drinking like a fish and um, waking up and um, having saving enough booze for the morning um, so that I could get normal enough, take the shakes away and get to work. But if I overdrank, then I couldn't get to work. So then I had to get drunk enough to be able to steer the car to go get more so that I could keep on drinking and get normal. I had to drink, get, drink to get normal. I had to drink to go to the movies. I had to drink to have Thanksgiving with my family. I had to drink to screw. I had to drink to shop. I had to drink to go to the gym. I would drink vodka and grapefruit juice because it was healthy and I thought I was getting some B12. <laughs> Unmanageability is going back and it was, you know, it was taught to me that like I'm sober before I pick up the next drink. So there's insanity going on there. So, so putting down the drink is abs, I can't do any work if I'm drunk. Like it is absolutely impossible. But even when I put down the drink, there's, that's just where the, that's just where the journey starts. Like that's when the, the clouds leave so that I can look at the mess that's actually there. That's when the feelings start. Then I get to go and do the other steps, which I, you know, I won't, ah, it's so hard. Um, it's so hard not to go there and stay in my lane, but I get to like, I, I get to, you know, I take some manageable actions and if I take these actions in a consistent way, then there is a possibility that I might, just might, have a little pause. Like, I think of them like buoys. If I did all of my actions, like I made all my phone calls, all my food, all my bed making, all my prayer in the morning, and then the rest of the day I didn't do anything, like the rest of the day predictably is not gonna go well. But I spread these things out through the day and I kind of think of them like, think of them like little buoys, right? Like, so okay, I'm out in this buoy and I'm holding on for life and I've, I've done my prayers. Okay, well now I have to get to work. I've gotta kind of swim to get to work. And, and in my head it feels like it's overwhelming because overwhelming is my biggest trigger, right? I'm overwhelmed with stress, I'm overwhelmed with fear, I'm overwhelmed with depression, I'm overwhelmed with blah, 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 blah. Sometimes I'm overwhelmed with happiness, and that was the reason that I drank or behaved badly. But then I've got this another action. I'm going to eat breakfast, and I've got this other buoy that, like, saves me, that grants me just a little bit of pause, just a little bit of sanity. And then, you know, then I've got to get to work, and when, you know, and work, work is there's people there, and the people, and my boss is there, and the opportunity for people to like, maybe I've got an imposter syndrome, right? Because I'm not good enough. My biggest fear is I'm not good enough. Are you gonna love me? Are you gonna, am I okay? Am I okay? Um, but then I've got a meeting, right? Or I've got lunch, or I've got phone calls. Maybe that's what I do, right? Like those trouble times, like that's when I need extra buoys, so I like, go from buoy to buoy to buoy. And those buoys allow me just a little bit of grace, which makes me think of something else. Um, 
Just that there's this one part in here where um, this, where the, the awesomeness happens. Here it is. So this is in Bill's story, and um, I just put some tabs here, and I was like, you know, they can, these are my buoys, right? So it's, so in Bill's story, he's, um, he's drunk again, right? Because, you know. Um, it says, while I lay in the hospital, the thought came that there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what had been so freely given to me. Perhaps I could help some of them. They, in turn, might work with others. So I don't know what made me go to that, but that's a freaking miracle. That's like, that's the magic. That's the pilot light for our entire program, right? So, so if I am like being gifted, I knew what, we are gifted. We are gifted today. Like we have a little pilot light. Everybody has a little pilot light inside them or you wouldn't be here today, right? So the thought came to him that if he, got, if he took this and gave it away, like he felt compelled, he felt obligated, right? That he was given this thing and he had to give it away. So these little buoys of manageable actions that I take allow me to, in some small way, even before I start taking the steps, they help me to connect with God just a tiny little bit. And that grows, for me that grows. Um, okay, so where else, what else did I blow up in here? Um, oh my gosh. Okay, so here's another unmanageable thing, right? So Ebby comes to, like, this is my story. When I was drinking, and I'm sorry, let me, I'm losing my track. So there's when I got sober, right? But my unmanageability resurfaces every single day. And I have this, I mean, I love, the thing is now I have buy-in, right? Because I've got some evidence that there's a God in my life and that if I get out of the way, like good stuff happens. Good living mojo is mine today because of the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'll tell you a little bit about that when I get to the hope part, just a little bit. But the how step one works in my life today is I, at the end of the day, I take a little review, which is another step, but I take a little review and I, and I, I, I really, I do a little scan of my body and I do a little scan, like I run the movie of my day and I, and I try to identify where I feel unrest. And sometimes it's easy. Like sometimes it just like lives with me like a dark cloud throughout the entire day and I'm just like, what is this about? Today, I was feeling all jazzed, and then all of a sudden, I had this like wave of sadness, and I was like, huh, what's that about? Take a little spot check inventory, like what has, that's another step. So what has happened? What has occurred? But I was able to identify some unmanageable behavior because I learned this valuable tool in step one, and it came back to the fact that I, my daughter said something in the car, and, and I snapped at her, and it was totally uncalled for. And I've got a tool. I have a tool to clean that up. But it all starts with this liberating thing of being able to identify unmanageability. And then I can take this action, and then I am powerless over the outcome. So the, just the concept that I've been given, this beautiful concept of unmanageability and how I can use that Right? I was talking to a sponsee this morning about 
about just that, that like, even in my unmanageability today, like the fact that I get to share that, it's, I am imperfect and I am, I'm just so screwed up and I am unmanageable and I'm sitting here with this ick ball, right, of unmanageability. And even in that moment, if I call up another alcoholic and I use that ick ball as a motivating factor to connect with another alcoholic, like I get to use the wreckage, I get to use the garbage, I get to use the knots in my stomach to be helpful to others. If you wanna look, there's a site called 164 and more, and I'm sorry, that's not like probably AA approved, but you can search up the word, like look up helpless, I mean helpful, and see how many times in the big book from like the foreword on, it says that our main objective is to be helpful to others. But that starts because of my unmanageability. This is the launch pad. Of, of the solution, right? And it, it, it remains the launch pad of the solution. Um, I have to come back to unmanageability. Oh, so Ebby is coming over to his house to go, I've got a solution. And he's like, oh man, Ebby, we used to drink. And, and by the way, can I just say that I know I'm an alcoholic because I am perfectly described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And when I was, that the couple paragraphs that Monique read, I'll, I'll let you in on another secret, is that I was asked to come up with one to two paragraphs to kind of like lead my, lead my thing. And, um, and it was so tough because unmanageability and powerlessness is everywhere. Like it describes me everywhere. So I went about it in a very unmanageable, well, I don't know, in a very, alcoholic way where and you can ask Amy I totally like I went through OCD for sure and I went through the big book and made a list of all the page numbers with paragraphs with like the snippets and and I used uh, as Bill sees it the big book the 12 and 12 and um, and the grapevine and so I had this long list and then I went through a second round prayed in between but mostly it was me driving the bus and <laughs> And then I narrowed it down and I was like, okay, that's second step, that's third step. And then finally I had like, I don't know, 10 paragraphs and I sent it to Amy and I'm like, hi, I'm Michelle and I'm an OCD alcoholic. <laughs> Somewhere in here are my two paragraphs. I just didn't want you to think I was slacking because I'm worried I'm not enough. Um, so, so finding this unmanageability, I really tried to find things that I resonate with that not only did I exhibit when I first came in, but that I exhibit today when I am not taking these manageable actions. And that happens, right? I don't call, and I gotta tell you, nine times out of 10, if I am on the pity pot, I have not called another alcoholic. I mean, it is really where it's at, right? When all else fails, right? If you're struggling, if you're really struggling and you don't want to, if you want to, if you're struggling and you are okay with that or you're struggling and it's not really unbearable or you're struggling and don't, aren't ready to take action, then put your hands over your ears. But if you're struggling <laughs> and you want to, and you don't want to feel that way, then call another alcoholic and ask them how they're doing, totally different stuff. So, <laughs> it says, so Ebby comes over and he says, you know, I've, I found religion and like, but before he gets there, 
Bill is like scheming. He's just scheming. Like, um, I wondered how, uh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Oh yeah, so as soon as he comes over, this is what I'm gonna do. Of course he's gonna have dinner and then I could drink openly with him. I only thought of recapturing the spirit of other days. There was that time, remember that time? And, but the, the key here for me is unmindful of his welfare. That's a giant sentence for me. When I am unmanageable, I am unmindful of anybody's welfare. All I care about is me, 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 me. What are you doing to me? So it's not if, right? The beautiful thing about our literature, it doesn't say if this happens to you. It says when. <laughs> when this happens to you, here's what you do. So, so when I am struggling, and the big book also tells me that like one of the main causes, I might even say the main cause of my drinking is my inability to have a relationship with another person. I'm sure I butchered that, but it's really close. And so when I'm having difficult relations with another person, it is generally because I am being unmindful of their, their welfare. And I am being unmindful of their welfare because I am not taking manageable action. Like, right, there are days when my husband can come home and go jiggity-boo. And, and I'm like, oh, jiggity-boo. And then sometimes he'll come home and say that and I'll be like, what do you mean by that, right? <laughs> so there is no difference other than what I am doing and what I am not doing. Um, so about the drinking, right? And I was told when I go through the big book in order to keep it current for me, there's a lot of this. Like, when I went through this with my, with my sponsor the first time, um, I didn't start taking notes because, because I was kind of insulted that she wanted to read this with me as though I was like eight years old. Like, I could read this shit. Um, <laughs> So I didn't, you can tell by in my big book where I started listening and seeing the value of having somebody go through it with me and share their experience, strength, and hope with it along the way and read it with a different inflection. It, there was a, a point somewhere where I became open-minded, more open-minded, and like I didn't want to do it, but I did it anyway. How about that thought, right? Checking my I don't wanna at the door. My I don't wanna is a giant source of my unmanageability. Um, so doing it anyway, having a commitment and keeping it. Um, so there's just something here that says, um, that just talks about the pain, right? Um, I woke up, this had to be stopped. I saw I could not take so much as one drink. I was through forever. Before then, I'd written lots of sweet promises, but my wife happily observed that this time I meant business, and so I did. What happened? <laughs> Shortly afterward, I came home drunk. <laughs> there had, and I do this, honest to God, I do this with my actions. I do this with bad behavior. I was told that after the, the drink obsession has been lifted from me today, that like I can go through this big book and I can substitute, I can put bad behavior in the place of drink like all day long. 
Shortly afterward, I came home drunk. There had been no fight. Where had been my high resolve? Where had been my high resolve not to react to the jiggity-boo, right? It was out the window when he came in with that snark or that eye roll that I suspected he had. <laughs> I simply didn't know. It hadn't even come to mind. Someone had pushed a drink my way. I had taken it. Was I crazy? I began to wonder, for such an appalling lack of perspective seemed near being just that. I have that. I have that appalling lack of perspective. I am. Um, the remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. Ugh. The courage to do battle was not there. My brain raced uncontrollably, and there was a terrible sense of impending calamity. This still happens to me. I don't know about you, but this still happens to me. Um, you know, when I'm, I, I, it, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So when I'm not doing inventories, when I am not, when I'm doing my columns in my fourth step, and but I'm only doing the first two and then skipping over to four and not looking at causes and conditions. And then I'm like, why does this keep happening? Why does this keep happening? I, I totally am clear on my, what buttons it's pushing and it's my insecurity clearly, but I'm not looking at it. There is the, and the unmanageability creeps in. Um, during the, it was talked about a little earlier um, in the, it gets talked about sometimes. Um, how I can take all of these manageable actions, but if unless I am growing and enlarging my spiritual life, I am going to drink again, or I'm going to have an unmanageable behavior again. Like, I have to keep growing and enlarging. And my sponsor used a word a couple weeks ago that I thought was interesting. I resisted. It, it bothered me. Um, she said that we continue to constrict, and I just, it felt like, like, punishing, right? And what she meant by that is that, right, like the, I come in and and I'm on this freeway and I used this car with this, this car analogy just recently with Sponsy, so sorry. Um, sorry, Sponsy. The, um, that like when I come in, I'm like this race car with no brakes, right? Like I have, if I get angry, I get, it's no brakes at all. It's like anger everywhere. If I get, if I get, all need, right? I need, I need, I need. I'm hungry. I'm so hungry. This bottomless pit of hunger that nothing and no one is can fill. God forbid I try and get a human to fill that hole because it is not possible. And that poor human, like, I'm going to suck you dry. And I'm on this race car thing and I don't have any rails and I bump and I crash off into the side and then I get back up and I'm like, and then I like, my wheel is like wanging along the side and stuff. And like, there's, I get to, you know, I finally come to my, I run out of gas somewhere along the way. And then the next morning I look at my car and I'm just like, I suck. I'm a sucky driver and life sucks. Look at this wreckage behind me. Everything sucks. And that car is bad. And the, it was the road, man. And it was the this. And this is, it had nothing to do with me. And then I come in and I'm gifted with this, this structure, right? These manageable actions. And, and I don't like it. I don't like it. It feels uncomfortable. Oops, that reminds me of something. So... <laughs> 
right? Like, I love the last page of this, of step one, right? It says, why all this insistence that every AA must hit bottom first? For me, hitting bottom is crashing the car, the car's not starting. I cannot get that car started again. The car is so beyond, I cannot get in that car again. Like, I hate the car. I am the car. The car repulses me. I can't be in the same room with the car. I can't look in the mirror. Remember Moonface? Like everything about me disgusts me. Of course you don't like me because I freaking hate me, right? Why all this insistence? Because the answer is that few people will sincerely try to practice the AA program unless they've hit bottom. For practicing AA's remaining step, 11 steps means the adoption of attitudes and actions that almost no alcoholic who's still drinking can dream of taking. Adoption, which means it doesn't come naturally, which means it's not gonna be comfortable. You know what comes naturally to me? Driving the car banging the car, drinking in the car, like doing everything in the car. Um, who wishes to be rigorously honest and tolerant? Like who wants to confess his fault? Blah, 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 blah. We all know this part, right? But then this last paragraph is what spoke to me this time around when I had, I was telling somebody at, at dinner that I, I didn't come in to, um, the rooms this time until I had seven days sober um, because my shaking was so bad and and I thought you might judge me um, right Oy. Um, so but under the lash of alcoholism we are driven so but this paragraph to me was like neon lights we are th this time not before we are driven to AA. So it's not because I'm a good soldier and I'm making a wise decision. And it says that later too, that like, I'm not driven to AA out of virtue, right? It is circumstance. I am basically kicked in the ass. Like God is like, hopefully kicked me in the ass enough into this program. I'm, and I'm sorry, I'm gonna go to the top of the page because John Barleycorn himself had become our best advocate. What does that mean? My sponsor used to say that, so a little quick story. So my sponsor, I've been working with her for like 13 years, and she's in Chicago, which I, you know, I have, I probably should get a local, but I just love her, right? Like that would require like a whole, like new foreplay experience, right? And <laughs> the, it's so much, it's so much. And I just, she knows me so much. And she, she has this way of talking that for the first six months, I was like, God, she seems like Amish or something. She would be, I'd be like, oh my God, let me tell you about what's in this drama. Let me tell you about this drama. And she'd like, you are blessed. You are, how, how awesome is it that God has gifted you with this? And I was like, who are you? Like, I would talk to my co-sponsees and I would go like, oh my God, like, does she talk that way to you? And like, I would tell her about my job and she was like, when I was in the corporate world. And I would be like, She's just crazy. And then I started to hear her, and she would say this all the time, John Barleycorn is your best advocate. And I'd just be like, um, it was just weird. But what it means, what it means is, and I guess I'd have to say what it means to me, but I think it is just what it means, is that um, thank God for booze. Thank God for the, for the car crashes, because without that, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be here. 
thank God for, thank you, seriously, I know this sounds crazy, right? I have turned in, I have become one of those people who like, like has notes in their big book and like quotes from pages and says stuff like I'm a grateful alcoholic because I am grateful. Like I wish my husband was an alcoholic. I wish he had the fellowship. I wish he had these, these beautiful gifts, these tools, right? John Barleycorn himself had become our best advocate. Booze pushed me where myself would not, where my ego would not. Um, so under the lash of alcoholism, we were driven to AA, and there we discovered the fatal nature of our situation. I don't think you need to think to like get to the point where you think you're going to die to get here, but that's where I was. I truly believed. I remember detoxing for those seven days on my couch, feeling my heartbeat out of my chest, and thinking I was going to die. Then that icky place then and only then and that so sober or not I was an unlovely creature at two years sober I can be unlovely today then and only then do we become as open-minded to conviction and as willing to listen as the dying can be we stand ready to do anything which will lift the merciless obsession from us when I come in and today right I am still willing to do anything to lift the obsession from me. I get obsessed. I, uh, you know, I heard somebody talk at a meeting the other day about um, they don't really have, like, bad days anymore. And, okay, right? <laughs> Thank you. So I thought, well, I do. I do have bad days. I don't have bad weeks. Usually, I had something weird. Like, I had did a job change at the beginning of the year. And I don't know, there was a lot of weirdness, like um, it, it's, a, it's a financial institution, they had to do like this really in-depth, like, like, you know, like almost strip searchy kind of background check on me. And, um, and I had the normal alcoholic fears of stuff that I might have forgotten because some of it's kind of a blur, like what was gonna come up. And I did have the comfort because I've, got, I've seen evidence of God in my life, so, I have the fear, I have the unmanageable fear, I recognize it as unmanageable fear because I've got the tool of the first step, and then I've got these other steps that help me take actions as if God's got it, and then I get to watch God got it and move on, right? But something was just stuck in my craw. I had a really hard time. It was, it was weeks, it was weeks, and it's been 50, it's been 13 years, let's be, let's be honest, yeah. Since, since that has happened. Um, and there was a lot of prayer. There were extra, so, so what do you do? So what do you do? What do you do when you have a bad day? What do you do when that, not if that happens, but when that happens? The big book says there's gonna be times that come into our lives where we are, and I don't remember the words, but that we, we just cannot pray. I just cannot reach out to God. Like there is something that's just, I just give me the covers and let me isolate and 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 I have been I think you know this time around jumping into action has been giant for me like I my my you know I came in and I'm like hi I'm Michelle and I've got seven days back and and you heard it right so the the subtext was I'm not new 
don't reach out to me, don't talk to me like a newcomer, I've got this. And then I'd go home and I'd be like, why wasn't anybody reaching out to me? Like, like these, are, these people are not friendly. And this one woman saw me and she was like, oh yeah, well welcome back. She, was, she became my first sponsor. And like, you know, day 10, she's like, go get that phone number. Go get that phone number and reach out to somebody. And, and I dove. She was like, okay, go, go bowling with that group. Oh, we had, it was a big group, and if, if, if your mom died, we went to your mom's funeral. Like, we supported, we get, we get, get in the car. Everybody got in the car. We went, and like, what do you say? You say, I'm so sorry for your loss, right? You make sure that the people in the line have water, right? Like, you sign the card, you bring a card, you just show up, and you're supporting everybody. And the action, I just dove into action. When I felt bad, I dove into action. And then around 12 years, um, the, the uh, unrest, like there's something about just sitting, right, with unmanageable feelings um, that when I was drinking, and I had an uncomfortable feeling, I took an action. I dove into action. And, and if, you know, this is just taped, right? It's not filmed. So I would dove into action. I would, I would dive into action. I would, I would dive into action. Like every action, any action that would fill this hunger that I had, um, I would just die. So it was not unusual, and right, to like, when I, when I got sober, I went to the gym two hours a day, right? Because I wanted to dive into action. I did, still didn't want to feel. And it wasn't until like 12 years that the feelings started to become like, oh, maybe I ought to start sitting with them for just a minute. And then there's that fine line, right, between um, how do you have a feeling and not let it become unmanageable, right? How do you get with God on that feeling? And how do you acknowledge the feeling but not go into morbid reflection, right? Because that's unmanageable and this is manageable. And God is the answer, right? Um, but what does that mean, <laughs> you know? Um, that means that I stay close. When I have, you know, I had this, this just, I swear to God, it was so, they ended up finding something when I was 16 years old and I used a fake name, Christine Travis. And, <laughs> and I like said I was 18 so that, here you want to talk about unmanageability? So I, I, was, I was 15 years old, I hitchhiked from New Jersey to California, went by trucker, got hooked up with this dude who stole credit cards, and then we went to a swap meet, and I really had to have this leather a la share with feathers halter top, but he said no, and I said, I gotta have it, and so the police came, and they took me, and I made up a name, Christine Travis, and said I was 18, and they put me in the felony section of a jail, and I stuck with that story because I thought he was gonna come and bail me out and we would skip the country and go and live in Mexico. So, um, so when they came back to me from the background report and said, 
hey, you know, we've got something that's shown up on your on your report, and we just think it's kind of interesting. It might be an error. Does the name Christine Travis mean anything? <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, yeah. And I said, how much do you want to know? And the beauty of the program is, like, I don't know, the beauty of the program today is I am comfortable in my skin. I really, I am good. I mean, you know, I get up here and I'm nervous you're not gonna like me, right? I'm some human amount of kookiness I've got, but like, if a cop pulls me over, I still get a little freaky, but then I go, you know what? I'm okay, like I'm not drinking. And so when they came back with it, I said, how much do you wanna know? She says, we kinda wanna know everything. I was like, all right, buckle your seatbelts. Cause I went and like, said, here's my story. And, and they're like, oh, wow. And we'll have to get back to you. We may not be able to let you work here because that's a felony, right? Like forgery is a felony. And I had to work with my sponsor on like doing my best to help clean up that mess that I had completely forgotten about. This was during this time, though, leading up, during the background check, I felt all out of sorts. Like, all of the fear was just a lot. I literally would go out into the forest. I went to Tryon Park. It was freezing cold. I took off my gloves. I'm like touching trees, trying to stay in the moment. I'm like, which sounds crazy, but okay. But then, I'm also, what can I do? I've got this unmanageable feeling. I've got this, it is taking over. I am obsessing. My, my perspective is whacked. Like, I am only thinking about me. I am not being a good employee. I'm not being a good friend. I'm not being a good parent. I'm not being a good wife. I'm not being a good sister, because I am so trapped in me. And so I have to do something. I am obligated as a representative, as an ambassador of AA, to, be, to, to fix that shit and to be helpful to others. And I'm told in some other step that it's through, it's through self-forgetting that one finds. So in order to regain some manageability, I have to self-forget. I have to, so I work, I pick up extra meetings. Right? I call my sponsor, I reach out, I ask her for suggestions. I am calling newcomers all day long. Somebody said in a meeting, and I think it was when I went with you, um, somebody said in it, because I would share this with my posse, I have a posse of women. That's manageable. That's a manageable action that is not something I would have ever imagined when I was drinking. A posse of women. Somebody in this meeting said, if praying isn't work on, working on your knees, lay down on the floor. I laid down on the floor. I laid down on the floor. Just, God, just take me, man. Take it. Make it go away. If it doesn't need, if you need me to feel this for some reason, uh, I'm cool. I'll stick with it. I'll stick it out. I'll make it through. Give me, thank you. They have cards to tell you. Um, like, give me, it would be really good if you gave me some kind of sign that like, that there's, that this is really your will though. Like sometimes I'll say like, give me a lightning bolt or something. So <laughs> it passed. And honestly, I love this job. I love this job. Um, I, it's, it's, it's awesome. Okay, so the, um, I have 10 minutes. So let's see what else I got that is just un, un, gotta mention it. 
Um, oh yeah, okay. So I know that this is, so the flip side of, like the other side of the world from step one is step 12. So this is what my life did not look like, not even, but I was, this, we read this in a meeting last night and I was like, that's it, right? Um, I'm, I'm granted a gift which amounts to a new state of consciousness and being. I've been set on a path which tells me I'm really going somewhere, that life is not a dead end, not something to be endured or mastered. I felt like I was enduring life every single day. My unmanageability manifested itself in this, this gut-wrenching knot in my stomach that made me feel like I was the victim of life. Um, uh, in a very real sense, I have been transformed because I've laid hold of a source of strength which in one way or another, I had hitherto denied myself. I denied it myself because of my, remember in the beginning, in the, in the tradition, because of my d drunkenness and dissolution, my disconnect with who I really am intended to be. Um, I find myself in a position in a in possession of a degree of a degree of honesty, tolerance, unselfishness and peace of mind and love which I had never thought myself uh, capable. I've get, been given a free gift and in some small part I have made myself ready to receive it and I've made myself ready to receive it by taking manageable actions. I continue to take manageable actions. My life is so, so now I'm gonna be the annoying person. My life is so good. Like I started off, I would literally, like I would hear somebody outside and I would duck below the windows. There was this movie, I, could, I had one movie on a laptop that it's the only thing I had, I didn't have a TV and I would just watch, it was a horror movie and I would watch this horror movie like over and over and over again. Oh my God, oh my God, just bleh, um, so bad. Today, I have a job, and these are all material things, but they are evidence of a spiritual life. They are evidence of practicing spiritual principles. I have a relationship that I do relatively well with. When I'm wrong, I apologize. I work, I work at this, I work at the union of my family taking precedence over what I want or what I feel. Um, I, am, I had babies at 47 and 49 years old, right? Like, these are things that when I got sober, I, now, I'm not saying this is your dream. If you're struggling, <laughs> right? If you're struggling, and, and if you, like, if you're new or newish or whatever, and you, like, would write a list of all the things you would want in your life, this would not be on my list. This would have not been on my list. It would have been way too far beyond like comprehension. It would have been unattainable, but it was attainable, right? Like I would have thought myself I needed a bigger job position in order to be happy. But it turns out I'm happier in a more under the radar role where I can like be of service. Like that has turned out to be something that I didn't expect. Everything that I would have written down that I would have wanted in sobriety has been far surpassed. I have been married for something like 13 years now. 
Um, I have the seven and a nine-year-old. I have, and I know material stuff, I have credit. Like I have jam and credit. Like I can buy stuff. But I have a zero credit balance. That's new. That's new. But like I didn't even have a credit card before. Like I manage my finances, right? I don't sleep with other men. I only sleep with my husband. Right? Like my family comes to me when they when they need help or they're looking for an ear, right? To just listen. My life is beyond my wildest dreams. It's amazing, and it is honest to God. I am you. I have more on a DNA level. I have more in common. That makes me just teary. I have more in common with you. You have more in If it feels like, I don't know what she's talking about. There's no way that like that would be my life or whatever. Like She's just way too happy. Da, 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 da. You know what? I am a freaking model, like, success story of what AA can do if you work it. And, and if you want to know how to, like, have a piece of this joy, I'm telling you, it is not perfect, but it is joyful. And I'm not talking happy, happy, joy, joy. I'm talking like this deep-seated comfortableness that I just like who I am at the end of the day. And if you want some of that, like, welcome, welcome, like, Find yourself in here. Like, it's a beautiful place to see yourself over and over and over again. If you, like, don't have a sponsor, like, get one, man. Like, you are depriving yourself. Take a manageable act. Get a phone number. Everybody, you don't know somebody at your table, get a phone number. Call that phone number. Try doing it every day. <laughs> That's all. Thanks. <laughs>